When we often talk about saints, we, we don't know what to do with them, especially within our tradition as a, as a Protestant church, as a Lutheran church. We, we kind of give a little nod to them that they, they are people, and we sometimes use the, uh, the, the title uh, attached to maybe apostles or, or people who have done great things within the history of the church that have helped us in some way. But typically we often just add in the sainted Martin Luther or the sainted Augustine or something like that. Robert Louis uh, Stevenson has a quote that I think really gives us a great definition uh, or something to chew on and think about of a saint is just a sinner that kept on trying. Saint is a sinner that just kept on trying. And what a, what a great description because especially in the Lutheran theology, we know a, a certain truth about ourselves that while we are all sinners, at the same time we are all saints. That here on this earth that we are going about our sinning and, and sometimes uh, at, at quite a great amount, but because of Christ. And because of the redemption that has been won for us, we are also his saints. We are his people. We are ones that he has sanctified and made holy. So we are both sinners and saints. But this feast of today, the feast of all saints, is actually one of the oldest of the feasts in the history of the church. It is one that, that found its origin very early on in the church, kind of going back to the time of the persecutions. Certainly documented it during the Diocletian uh, persecutions that the church was losing its saints. That is, they were being martyred and killed off at such a rate that they couldn't keep up with doing funerals. And so they took all of them and they made them into one Sunday. And they celebrated the martyrs on that Sunday, and that is the Sunday of all saints. And so this is one of the oldest and longest-running feasts that the church has before the Feast of the Nativity and others is this one. And it is also one of the feasts that is recommended for churches to do baptisms. That this is a feast that is not just meant for remembering the dead, but a feast for baptisms. Which means as we celebrate those who have died, we celebrate those who have come alive in the Lord as well. And that is something our world probably doesn't understand very much about death. If you think about the terms and the language that we often use about death, we try and find words instead of dead or death to say pass away even in our emails sometimes that we send out when a member passes we say past or resting sleeping anything to get away from the very word of death to deal with the actual idea that death occurs and the world takes that and they try to take those that have died and those that have been called on uh, to rest at home, and we relegate that to just memories. How many of you have watched a movie where there was a death and you had uh, a pastor stand up in the front or somebody stand in a memorial and talk about, they will live on because they will live on 
here in our hearts and in our memories. That's how they will live on. Just like every idea that we have, the idea lives on because people remember that idea. And so what we have of the persons who have died, the persons that are no longer with us, is we just try to hang on to their memory. But hanging on to the memory doesn't do it at times. We want their presence. We miss who they are and who they were. We actually want them to be with us. Because the one thing about our sinful minds is we do not remember well. We do not remember all of who they were. My, uh, my bishop, when I was a vicar, commented on, on the progression of grief. Whereas when somebody dies, the thing that we remember are all the very good things. How great that person was. How wonderful they were. But he said, sometimes watch, watch and find out in a couple years how they really were. Because the memories change over time. So as the world tries to convince you to take those that have died and just kind of keep them in your hearts or in your minds, and then that will be their eternity. That will be their life. We know that that's not true. We know that there's no comfort in that. There's no solace. Because we forget. And sometimes even the memory of them is gone once we're gone. I had a pastor once tell me a story of another pastor. So this is a third-hand pastor story. Of a, uh, of a, a pastor whose church had one of those cemetery and graveyards. I don't think I've seen anything like that out here in the Northwest. But in Missouri, there's still a thing. And so you'd have a cemetery next to the church. And, and there was this, this widow who had lost her husband several years before. But that widow came to that cemetery every day. She would stop. But sometimes it would be five minutes. Sometimes it would be longer. Depending on the rotation of the year and what anniversary there was, she would wait a little bit longer at the cemetery. But she was there every day unless there was some extraordinary thing happening. And the pastor eventually, not really knowing who this woman was, went out to meet her, and as he did, he asked her, Why are you here? Who have you come for? She had come for her husband, who was buried in the cemetery, and she said she was there every day because she just wanted his presence. She just wanted to be with him. And anybody who's ever lost someone that is that close to them knows exactly how that feels. I'm just waking up and, and wanting to smell them. Wanting to have their presence, hear their offhand remarks about something. The bad coffee maybe that they made or whatever memory is there. She just wanted that. But every time she came to the cemetery, she could not find those things. The cemetery did not smell of her husband. The sound of the cemetery was too quiet to even be anything like his speech. 
It was a great place for her to go to know that the remains of her husband were there. But there was nothing else that resembled him. The pastor invited her to come with him for a second. Just for a second. Come, come inside the church and let me show you something. And he took her into the sanctuary. One that probably looked a lot like our old one. And brought her forward to where the altar was. And he asked the simple question, why are you seeking the dead, or the, the living among the dead? Words that we know that were spoken on Easter morning. And he said, the presence you look for cannot be found in that cemetery. But the presence you're missing in your life can be found in this supper. You see, we all are the ones that the Lord has called into the faith. And we know that there are many more that he has called into the faith as well. But we are no longer individuals, but we are members of one body. Body that has been called together in the person of Christ. And as we come together, we celebrate a certain supper. And in that supper, we even make the proclamation that with all of the host of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore saying and praising, and we launch into our song. We join together with the host of heaven, to all of those who've been called to rest in their Lord, with all of those who've been made members of this body, with all of those who are in the churches down the street, with all of those who have been baptized into this name, we celebrate this feast. Because it is in Him, in that name, in that body, that they now celebrate and rest. When we go to our cemeteries and we return there, searching and seeking, trying to find that presence, we are only looking in the past. The world, when it is wanting you to try and think the only possible way to grieve and to mourn is to only hold on to those memories, wants you to stay in the past. But we are not a faith of just the past. We have a future. And we have now. And Revelations gives us the picture of those that are coming out of our time to be in the presence of God. Not staying in their cemeteries, but while they are waiting, singing, worshiping, and being with their Lord. And so we come forward to not experience their presence in this supper, but to experience the presence of the one who will call them back to life. We come forward not to experience the presence of the dead in this supper, but to experience the presence of the living Lord, the one who grants us our own eternal life, the one whose hope these saints now rest in, the one whose very name will bring the dead to life. And as we are told, that is our future. 
So as we remember them today, we remember them not seeking their presence, not asking for the dead to come here and to be with us, but we're asking the Lord to be here with us, to give us a thankful heart that those who have died in the Lord are now wearing their white robes. Twice now, we've sang songs that have alluded to the present age that we live in and the future that is to be. And it's described this present time as a time where we experience tears. We experience suffering. And certainly, as most of us know, there really is no greater suffering than losing those that we love dearest. There are no greater tears that are shed than when we have lost someone. So we ask, how do they, those that rest, those that are now sainted and with their Lord, how did they make it? How did they get through this time? How did these people full of their own flaws come to rest? By the very thing that washed their robes into white, the blood of Christ. How did they make it through this time? by knowing these very words that are cried out, that are spoken in Revelation, praised and and spoken before the Lord. Amen. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. And before the Lamb, they made this cry. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving, honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. How is it that they rest now in those words? How is it that they have come before the Lord in those words? How is it that you can experience the presence of Christ, the living God that the dead now rest in, in your life by these words? Salvation belongs to the Lord. By that, we have hope for the future. We have hope that there is a day when death will be no more. That we have hope that there will be a day when tears will actually be dried from our eyes. We have hope because we're not just people of the past. But our faith is pulling us forward to the time when even those that we celebrate today will rise from their grave. That same pastor wrote a prayer for this very day after encountering the the widow in the cemetery. And it's a prayer that I'd like to end with and the prayer that will lead us into memory of those that have passed and a prayer that sums up this very thing for us. O God, the King of Saints, We praise and magnify your holy name for all your servants, the ones who have finished their course in your faith and in your fear. We give you thanks for the Blessed Virgin Mary, for all of the Holy Fathers, the prophets, the apostles, the martyrs, and for all of your servants that we know. We ask you actually to encourage us by their example, to strengthen us by their fellowship, so that one day we may too 
attain everlasting life. Through the merits of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.